Hello and welcome listeners to the Health Science Podcast. I am your host, Devin Box. Thank you so much for joining us today for this discussion. Now the intro music, that was Daniel Hughes. If you want to hear more, check out the link in the description. My co-host is Zach Hunter, who happens to be the host of the Fiscal Frisk Podcast. Zach has decided to take a slightly different approach over at the Fiscal Frisk. So uh, a bit of an overhaul is happening. If you want to find out more about that, head over there to the Fiscal Frisk. All the same streaming platforms you found us. Now, if you're new to the podcast, uh, thanks so much for listening. You are definitely joining an amazing group of dedicated and conscientious listeners. The Health Science Podcast is dedicated to providing you with an objective and scientific approach to all the most pressing health science topics today. Boom. And we want to make you knowledgeable and health science research approachable. Now to today's topic. Now, everybody's been talking about COVID, and understandably, it can, it can kind of get a little repetitive. Very. Now, we also do want to stay relevant on the Health Science Podcast. So we do obviously want to talk about, you know, pressing issues. Yeah. Uh, but I wanted to take a bit of a slightly different approach when kind of discussing COVID. So the paper today is called, very simple, uh, quote, The Neurobiology of Social Distance. Um, and it takes a really interesting approach. So the paper talks about COVID from the perspective of social distancing. Right. Um, and not just it's good for you, stay away from people, but, you know, could there actually be some negatives to that, right? Yeah. And the reason I wanted to discuss this today is because there needs to be this balanced type of, of discussion and balanced perspectives on these topics. Right. And it's really easy to go on, you know, social media or watch TV and, and find examples of people not following guidelines or they're having parties, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's kind of like you're only seeing the good and the bad and, and not really kind of the full-fledged hashed out discussions that need to be happening. Um, you know, something, you know, we're, we aren't talking about is, is how to balance our lives within social distancing. Right. Right. So if we follow the social distancing rules and everybody's, you know, doing their part uh, and we don't make an effort to stay connected, this can have bad effects on your health too which may seem like a less pertinent threat uh, to us than the virus. Uh, and by all accounts, it may be. But it's it's our job as, as the knowledge translators to give you the information. Um, and you guys can use that information to kind of guide your lives, you know, in the best way possible. Right. Um, and you're, you'll hear some very kind of striking evidence today that shows the importance of, of staying connected in times like these, the science of why that's important. And then some possible ways to kind of move forward. Like, how do we actually do this, right? Now, Zach, if I just asked you, like, throughout COVID, throughout the whole pandemic, have you missed your friends and family? Absolutely. And and I feel like I've heard that from a lot of people, right? Yeah, like, that's well, understandable, right? You literally go from everyday life to seeing, like, certain people to not. And, <laughs> and you know, if, if you want to have um, a, a pretty down-to-earth conversation about that, uh, we did it on your podcast, the fiscal frisk, fiscal frisk, um, about Zach's experience graduating, you know, in the era of COVID and, you know, a lot of the stuff that we talked about there too was, you know, we, we did discuss kind of the logistics of, you know, what happens to your grades and whatnot, yep. but I would say at least half of that discussion was just, you know, how Zach felt about that, right. The connections you build, yeah. you know, there, there's, there's importance there and this feeling this way in COVID is really natural. Uh, you know, and everyone I've connected with is saying the exact same thing. Yeah. Um, and this is not the case. It's not a case of people just, you know, not wanting to follow rules or, or just getting impatient. 
these connections are really important for our mental and you'll see here even our physical health. So the paper starts off by, by you know, talking about how intensely social humans are, right. you know, and even states the claim that loneliness kills people, which seems like a bold claim. Um, but if you, if you look at, you know, in 2019, they said the World Health Organization recognized loneliness as a major health concern worldwide. So the yeah. WHO actually is like, this is a health concern in 2019. Very recent. Yeah, that's crazy. The UK just appointed its first minister of loneliness. They have a minister yeah. of loneliness? Yeah. That's crazy. And, and yeah. they've got the numbers to back this up. Yeah, too. exactly. So let's, let's maybe look at, well, what do they show about, uh, you know, Maybe the UK is just kind of crazy. You don't need a ministry of loneliness, right? Okay, well, let's let's look at the numbers. Uh, studies have shown that the tighter someone is embedded in their social network, the less likely they are to become ill. Yeah. Um, and that social isolation can in increase chance of, of dying, again, by all cause, uh, by roughly 30%. 30%? Yeah. Oh, my so God. So there's a quite striking difference. And again, this is kind of a, a, a bridge between some of this self-report data. So, like, do you feel lonely and then you just look at the records like people who feel lonely more often have you know yeah. in this case are, are dying at a higher percent that's crazy um and this is even after adjusting for for age sex and health status so if you think about that is from the statistics standpoint we've talked about this too is about these confounders so we'd say okay well in this case people who are lonely um are at risk let's say the 30 percent yeah but is it the people who are at risk happen to be more lonely or is it the loneliness that causes that so that's why we we, we adjust these right so yeah. again age sex those are all big uh you know di different demographics the kind of the common ones but the health status was one that was kind of interesting to me too because that basically says like it's not like people who are lonely um it, it puts the direction of the causality more toward loneliness causing yeah the the increase in deaths because it's not like there's a different health status that causes the loneliness that then causes something else right so when you adjust for that um it makes that number seem a little bit more more striking i mean 30 yeah. percent, i guess you know is a is a pretty big difference but to then huge difference. show that you can kind of semi-isolate this and again this is not completely causal uh yeah. but to adjust that for for something like health status and still have that number hold up is is pretty striking to me um, and then obviously the opposite's true for those with strong social connections, right? These people are less likely to suffer bouts of depression and all of the other, you know, all cause mortality stuff too. Um, now the interesting thing is the biology behind this is, is not just a case of mental health. So when someone's lonely, you'd be like, okay, what would be the first thing that comes to mind? If someone's lonely, you'd think maybe they'd, they'd be socially detached. They, they might get depression. Like they, they meant their mental state would decline. Right. Yeah. But it's not just that, uh, social isolation can actually affect your immune system too. Um, now a study done in university freshmen that, uh, students who reported feeling lonely actually had a reduced immune response when they were given the flu vaccine. Right. Mm, yeah. And, and another, another study found that social bonds stimulate you know a hasty release of these defense cells in your body which are the exact molecules or sorry exact cells that you need to defend against bacteria and viruses right right so well, this is where it really starts to hit the home because you're thinking okay well there are be things that you can do even by yourself to combat uh you know maybe your your mental state you know people people work out it can be therapeutic there's tons of different things you can yeah. do um but when you say that that affects your immune response, 
I mean, think about that. We're all getting away from other people right. because of the risk of transmitting that virus. Yeah. And, and, and is it an all or nothing thing? Because if you do it to an extent that you become lonely in this case, uh, it could actually affect your immune response if you ever did maybe get it in the future. Yeah. And, and your body wouldn't mm. be able to put up as much of a defense, right? Yeah. And, and yeah, and, and some people may think that they can just tough it out, right? Like you get the people that, that dumb down the, the kind of importance of social connections, right? You'd be right. like, well, I don't need people to feel happy. And it's like, that's fine. You get people that are more introverted that don't need constant attention from everyone else. But at the end of the day, um, it, it might be actually more reflective of a less than optimal culture of expressing our emotions and like just how we feel. Yeah. Um, and when you tell someone that that's going to affect their ability to generate a proper immune response, that's something we should be talking about. Right. Now, the big question with all that is, well, how do we actually remedy this? Uh, we're not going to go out and start hosting parties again. We're not doing that. Yeah, we can't. Um, so how do we both socially distance ourselves? How do we follow these guidelines, you know, while also remaining know connected and integrated mm -hmm. because the last thing you want to do is just say the heck with all the guidelines and they're going to party like it's 1999 no <laughs> right <laughs> the guidelines that you've all heard are really important yeah uh, but how do we do that while socially distancing how do we do that uh, and ensure that we don't become isolated and lonely um well to answer that we need to start off uh sorry we need to start at what type of stimulation is needed to make humans feel connected right so right uh, I would guess, you know, coming from the business world, Zach, would you be more, more apt to trust someone if you could look them in the eyes and shake their hand or maybe just by a phone call or email? Like, what would you just feel better doing? Well, in person, and it's funny that you said that because like I work at a bank, obviously, and like we, we've been trying to get everyone to come in for appointments, mm -hmm. like either by phone or by email, like you send us all that and like, you'll just come in and like, just even like renewing like GICs or like something really basic, like yeah. just some and then people still want to come in because they want, want that eye to eye. Like they're just exactly. like, this is my banking. This is my business. This is my money. You're going to look me in the face. And, and it, even if, call. and even if you can't like scientifically say, well, this is why it was evolutionary proven. It just feels yeah. better. It does. Somehow right? it just does. Um, so in person's always going to have that type of connection. Yep. And, and the reason for that is, is our evolution, right? And there are entire professions dedicated to understanding how to read humans. Yeah, right. And the most, the most important one is someone's face. Yeah. Um, and the thing is, is, is we intrinsically understand these facial cues, right? Mm -hmm. Without even knowing it. And that's why people say they got a gut sense. It, you can't put your finger on exactly what it is, but you, you know whether you feel good or bad about somebody, you know, in a social environment by reading their face, reading those cues. Right. Um, and when we engage in social interaction that lacks those cues, it's not easy to build the type of bonds that we require to, to have good immune systems, to not be lonely, to, to make those legitimate connections that we biologically need. Right. But all is not lost. Some research found that the majority of these connections can actually be achieved through these video chats. So, I mean, we've been using Zoom for school, yep. FaceTime, Skype, whatever you use. And some neuroimaging studies have actually shown evidence that the brain regions that are activated during some of these in-person social interactions 
are still being stimulated by online uh, interactions as well. Right. Um, and, and on a side note, and I kind of found this funny actually, is um, Zach, you, you sometimes you, you find it annoying when people just can't text properly. Absolutely. Like it, it's kind of a it's kind of a funny trope, but it's it's legit. Like it's true to the point where like some scientists have actually speculated that the use of emojis kind of helps to fill in the coldness of texting. Yeah. Right. Like it gives you those emotional cues about what the words are saying. Yeah, exactly. Um, and that's why people choose to use them in large. Um, and I know I text with huh. quite a few emojis Absolutely. and that might be a, a generational thing, but like you and I came from MSN, you remember all like the really <laughs> elaborate emojis and like oh, your yeah. names and stuff. So that, that might just be us, but, um, yeah, maybe send some people more emojis. Yeah, no, help well, it's funny because, like, you know, like, when you start texting someone who, like, doesn't use it, like, even, like, a generational thing, like, my receptionist at my work, like, me when me and her text, like, she uses, like, proper punctuation, just periods and stuff. <laughs> yeah. And, like, I'll be making jokes and, like, we'll be doing that. And then it's just, like, haha, that is funny with a period. I'm just, that like, 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 that does yeah. not show that's funny. Send me the laughing face emoji. <laughs> <laughs> Give me some rope here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which is, you know, it's hilarious, but it, it's true. And they, they, it's important enough that they mentioned it in the paper, mm -hmm. right? Like that, that might actually explain kind of our, our gravity towards these. And you see it too with, with Apple, like we've got an emojis, like they yeah. just get more elaborate and elaborate and, and on, uh, you know, bitmoji is a big thing. Oh yeah. Integrates with, yeah, again. with Snapchat. So you got your own personalized. Yeah. So it's like, now emojis. it's not only emoji, it's, it's you, the emoji of Zach yeah. doing whatever emotion. And there's all the the preset kind of funny reactions and stuff mm -hmm. and, and people love to use those so there's for sure there's some there might be some even kind of evolutionary evolutionary history that yeah. draws us towards that kind of stuff which is funny but it's true <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know you don't never really think about that stuff right like the emojis kind of summing up what you're trying to say exactly um so then what do the authors kind of suggest in the end like how can we stay connected so we again we've established that you know this is bad for health if we don't right We've established, well, what part of this social interaction is really important? Um, and then how can we kind of remedy this? So they offer a few things. Uh, they say potential online spaces where someone can meet casually to make friendships. The way I interpreted this was kind of almost like resembling a dating site without dates. Yeah. It's like you just matched with people that kind of share your interests, um, you know, and stimulate yourself with with people that, you know, you, you, are, you would maybe run into in your day life, right? Like if, right. you know, schools obviously... All you know, a place of, of academia but in, yeah. when you're there in person like you're meeting people in the same classes for you're sure. meeting people with those interests so if you could potentially recreate that um not just for students but for everyone um they also say here that there are some online training regimens uh that are designed to stimulate the same areas of the brain um so things that can kind of go by the wayside when you haven't talked to anybody you know these games are supposed to help you feel things like compassion and empathy and like and stimulate those areas of the brains that are associated with that. Um, right. They said joining a type of club. Um, I'm thinking online, like what is that club penguin? I don't know. They weren't as specific <laughs> with that one. RIP club penguin. Uh, <laughs> uh, but if, it, yeah, I mean, if it's a hobby, whether it be, you know, maybe Chaz, it's a group on Facebook, you know, a fan club, something like that. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm thinking, um, but the one that, you know, speaks to me the most is again, the idea of frequent video chats. Yeah. Cause I think that's the one that's going to maximize the most of that natural interaction that we get. Yeah. You know, and whether it be one-on-one -on -one with a group of friends, it's something that's pretty darn easy. Yeah. 
Well, and, and we found that with like the pandemic, like we've oh, had multiple games nights or just like exactly. FaceTimes or like any of that stuff, right? Like to get that social interaction. And, and, you know, to any close friends of mine who are listening, right? Like you probably know that this is something, you know, Zach and I have, have done a, uh, I made a conscious effort to actually do during the pandemic. Um, so then just kind of stray away from the paper and come back to personal experience, right? Becoming isolated is, is a real threat to all of us during these times. Yeah. And the disappointing part is that it's something that you won't really hear from the media a whole lot. We seem to always be caught up in the drama that happens all over the world. Right. Um, and looking at the numbers of, of cases here and, you know, in Toronto and whatnot. Yeah. Well, they but, downplay it, right? Because it's like, oh, how can you feel like you're lonely when there are people dying, when there's like all these yeah. cases? And, so and, and this is the thing is that. like that, that has to be balanced too. Is like, you know, yeah. you, you see these posts talking about, you know, how, you know, in the grand scheme of things, we have not gone through a whole lot. Like if you were born, let's say the, the beginning of the, the 20th century, like, yeah, you'd be going through a lot more wars and famine and stuff than we have too. But that doesn't mean that you're not affected by what's going on. Those are different, right? Yeah. Like it's nice to have perspective. Absolutely. And I think to, to compare ourselves to the people that have gone through in the 20th century, not even close, Yeah, but that, that can't, convince you that somehow you just got to tough it out and, and, and be better. Right. Right. For us, I'm thinking about, well, that's, that's, that's maladaptive. It's like, how do we actually move forward? Like, how do we do better? Right. That's it. It's like, we can sit there and be like, well, I'm sad. You don't have the right to feel sad. It's like, well, okay. Instead of doing that, why don't we just come up with constructive ways to just all do better? Yeah. Um, and it is important to stop and think about what you can do for your own health. And I think hopefully this paper has convinced you that it's it's not a good idea to just tough it out and go through things on your own. Right. You know, we should all do our part to promote a connected culture. And I mean, for God's sake, we've got all the access to this technology that we can do this. For right. Sure. Like we can. We've got it at our fingertips. Yeah. So as a final statement, thank you to my amazing co-host and more importantly, my friend, Zach Hunter, for always being there. <laughs> Real tears. And for the listeners, do us a favor. Reach out to some important people in your lives. You know, you, you really don't know how how much better you could make someone's week, someone's day, someone's life with just a simple act like that. Absolutely. But we want to hear about it. So if you know me personally, um, or if, if you don't, there's many ways to contact us. Uh, reach out to us and tell us how you're staying connected. And we'd love to hear that. Right. Any final words? No, I think you summed that up really well. Awesome. So as always, the music, Daniel Hughes, thank you very much. Uh, go give Zach some love over at the Fiscal Frisk. Fiscal Frisk. Episodes Thursday mornings. Thursdays. For Zach and I, stay happy and healthy. And thanks for joining us on the Health Science Podcast.